expand, you should have some of those caregivers rise up to be assistant managers and eventually be managers and your manager rises up. Because also chances are your manager is smart enough to say, I want to make the big bucks. I want to own my own home. So if you have this whole system and it starts with the one and then it flows through and continues to grow, you have an evergreen source of your team that you can now expand because each one of those homes is going to have internally a team, caregivers, and management, etc. You can share it to an extent, but the strength of your ability to grow as a business person. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got somebody I look up to, Gene Guarino, uh, founder of the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Did I say that right? You did it perfect. So can you tell people what you guys teach? Sure. Residential assisted living is where we take a single family home and then we use it for assisted living for the elderly. So it's 24 seven. It's not medical though. It's for people that can't stay at home alone, but they, they need some kind of assistance, but they don't need medical care and assistance. And that home might have six people up to 16 people or more in it. It's 24 hour care and we own them. We operate them. We teach others how to do the same. When you think about this space, why do you think that it's not deadly obvious to everyone that that people would rather live in something that feels like a home instead of a hospital. Why do you think people need convincing sometimes? Well, you know, specifically for this, uh, why do why do people need convincing in anything in life sometimes is because it's outside of the norm. It's not what they're used to. So I think this is the same thing. Most people, as soon as I say assisted living and seniors, in their mind's eye, they've got a picture of a big box, maybe an old converted hospital or something institutional. And they assume that's where you go when you get old, nursing home. So that's not what we do. Today, the large, there's really big hedge funds and investment companies that are putting hundreds of millions and billions of dollars into what's called a CCRC, a Continuous Care Retirement Community. So when you see something new being built, it's typically a big 10, 20 acre. There's independent living, people who go in, move in, take care of themselves. There's assisted living, which is what we do. And then there's skilled nursing, memory care, or nursing homes. So that continuous care is all in one spot. That's the new norm for a lot of people. But I think the answer to the question, the way that people really get it is when their own parent or somebody they know and they love is in the situation and they go out and see the alternatives. That's when they're like, I wish that there was somebody who had a home that we could move our mom into. That's when it becomes real. You know, again, I've been watching so many of your videos, just finished your book. Blueprint yesterday, members of our team have have gone down to Arizona and taken your three-day course. Another member of our team took the online class. And it's interesting, one of the things that you said I experienced recently. So one of the folks that's backing our fund at at Greystoke Investments is a large family office, tens of millions of dollars, right? And when I started telling them about this opportunity, it was like, it was just like this like big aha moment, right? And, And it's funny that you know, so much of the institutional world, they, I feel like they, they don't even consider it. Like it's just not even on their radar, you know? Yeah. And big money thinks big and that's all good. It's what it is. So when they think of a home, they think small, right? One home, which is true. But, you know, you quoted Warren Buffett before and he was asked during the big great recession, as they call it, boy, if I could buy 10,000 single family homes right now, I would do it. 
Well, the hedge funds did. They just had to figure out the the whole process for doing that, put a billion dollars up and how do we buy them? And those of us who had, because I sold my homes, my single family rentals to the hedge funds because they didn't want to buy one at a time. But if you had 10 or 20 or 100, they were all over it and buying them as fast as they can. This is the same exact. It's going to happen with this industry right now. Yeah, those people that we're showing and teaching how to do this that have 10, 20, 30 of these, the big funds want to buy them because now they've scaled it to the point where they can write a big check. They don't want to write a million dollar check. They want to write a $50 million check. I'm so happy to hear you say that because I, that's what I'm hoping is real. You know, I, I just, so our one broker, he, he was an administrator in nursing homes and assisted living big and small over 20 years and now has gone over to the other side of the house and, and is it a large commercial real estate fund in their senior living section and, and buying things for big hedge funds and uh, private equity groups and stuff, right? And it took, it took me a while to get him to, to see where I was going with on the very same thing that you're saying. But like, so I, I know a guy in Denver who was by like, you know, 25,000 homes for, for, for Blackstone, right? Wow. And I'm thinking like in 2005, nobody would have, Nobody wanted to hear anything single family, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like they look down their nose on it and that's not, you know, you, you, don't, you don't understand. We're serious. We're serious investor people, right? And I'm thinking like, so, so I have this conversation with him and he's saying, well, you know, I do have this facility here. And, you know, the reason you might want to look at it is like we have like 50% margins on it where smaller ones might be 20, 30% or 35 or something, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, but if I buy that at a four cap... Or I buy this at a 10 cap, like I, I don't I don't care about the efficiency. Like if I could buy them for the same cap rate, I'm super interested in the higher efficiency. But over here, better cap rate, and I know that we're gonna instead of having like one to fifteen or one to thirty of like our caregivers versus residents, like we have a one to eight or something. Like this is a better product. I get to take care of somebody's mom better. And because of what I bought it for, it's a way better rate of return. I don't care what your efficiency level is. I don't know. Tell me I'm wrong. You've been, no, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid. You get it. You understand it. But it's going to be a while before the, the institutional level people catch up on the concept. And actually, this past 2020, I think, has really been a great year for us because I've been preaching for seven years now that smaller is better. And now when this whole you know COVID comes through, the big box, they, number one, they just kind of shut the doors. No new residents and all the existing residents. You go to your room, can't see any visitors. You can't come out. We're just isolating you. What a horrible solution. And it was terrible. Us in our homes, we've got a small group of seniors. There might be 10 of them there. So they, they were still in community, limitation on the visits, but we weren't shut down like them. So a lot of the people who were in those homes said, we got to get mom out of there. And they were looking to come to a small home. Small homes were full for the most part. So we were fully operational, didn't miss a beat, didn't lose you know, employees or anything like that. Nobody got laid off. There's just as much work and more than ever. But the big box have now realized smaller is better. So they're literally right now trying to reconfigure. Instead of doing 150 units, could we do 10 units with 15 people in each and have that on a campus? So you're going to see that from the big guys coming out over the course of the next five years or two to five years. You'll see a lot more of that, but they're going to do it institutionally. And you and I are thinking differently, like, I want a home for mom, not a hotel that's converted into. So we're at the right place at the right time. They're coming our way. 
and eventually they're going to buy out the quality operators if they uh, if they want to sell them because they're so cash flow sexy. You know, it's hard for somebody to want to sell it. Well, I don't want to catch on too fast. We need to go do a roll up and, and buy like several hundred of these first before they catch on. Yeah. And that's part, you know, part of it. I mean, one of the other things too, you know, we'll talk about the academy where we teach people how to, but we actually launched a franchise last year in the same space. So a franchise for the single family home model of residential assisted living. No, that's great. Yeah. So if somebody, if somebody comes down and they come to the three day, like, like our, our team member did, tell people what they're going to get. Yeah. And at the, the reason why we do three days, by the way, is that this is something like a lot of subjects where you can teach everything an immersion in three days and give people exactly what they need. So we teach them how to do the business of the real estate part, the business of so everything from location to funding, to setting up the operations. What we don't do is teach people how to be a caregiver or a manager, or a hands-on something. We're business people, and we teach people how to do business with a heart. So there is a do good and do well component to it. But we teach them everything they need to know so they can either do it themselves, or they can invest in with a lot more confidence so they know what they're investing in. And it's a lot of fun, too. We have a great time. We're doing one of our trainings this weekend, so we're really excited. You know, it seems like it would be a really rewarding business to own because, like, A, I mean, what other kind of opportunity can you take people without, you know, pe- people who are newer to a space and they can, I mean, you can teach them how to make like 10 grand a month, zero yeah. to 60. Like, do you know how many, like being an entrepreneur all of a sudden became cool again. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But you, you have like a real, I don't know. It seems like you can show these people a great income. They're actually doing something that makes people's lives better. I mean, the industry has all sorts of problems from people who don't take the care part serious enough, right? Yeah. And especially, you know, you mentioned something that I think probably went right by people's ears where you talked about the ratio of caregivers to the residents and the rules all across the country apply the same to what I call the big box. Brookdale hates it when I call them that, but the big box and what we do with residential, basically the rules across the country are pretty much for the most part, you as the operator decide how many caregivers you need to take care of those residents. So the big box facilities will take the liberty to say, well, we'll say 15 to one. And at night, it might be 50 to one. So what we do with our model, it's more like five to one, six to one, maybe. And you have certain, this is a comfortable number. So eight to 12 people in that single family home is really comfortable. 16 is kind of the maximum. And then less than the five or six, it becomes, that's more difficult because each one of those people who lives there is getting the care if one of them goes away, that vacancy, I'd rather have a, a small vacancy than a large vacancy because I've got more beds. Yeah. Well, obviously I'm a fan. Tell me this though, for people who don't live this in every day like you do, I mean, a lot of folks can see the demographics, right? The baby boomers are, are getting close to that 80, you know, they, they're closing on that magic 80 number there. What are some other things that maybe not everybody realizes is coming down the pipe? You know, I think when you think about the demographics and how the baby boomers have been literally driving the world's economy, not just the U.S., the world's economy for 70 years, where are they right now? That pig through the python. They're now, just like you said, the front edge of that because it started in 1946. They're like 75 years old. The average age of somebody who's in assisted living is around 82, 83 years old. So older and young uh, or older or younger 
but they're coming. And I call them the silver tsunami of seniors because it's unstoppable. Now, tsunami has a bad connotation, but there's always two sides to a coin. There's crisis and there's opportunity. So where that crisis is for some people, those of us who are in a business mindset as entrepreneurs, we're saying, well, we're a solution for this problem. And then when we talk about the growing, the demographics, the fastest growing demographic is what we call the super seniors, 85 plus. They're growing at 300% over the course of the next couple of decades. So far outpacing newborns and everything else. It's where everything is going. And I've been, I've been talking about this for a long, long time when it comes to real estate as an investment, one family and one home. Right now, there's a lot of investors saying, look, some of them, I can't even get them to pay rent, right? Because of rent moratoriums or eviction moratoriums, et cetera. They're like, I'm going to sell it to a family and the prices are jacked up so high, people can't go someplace. So think about all the opportunities there. But do you really want to have a group of people who who just, I cannot believe it, frankly, that we just went through this whole thing, eviction moratorium. We didn't go through it yet. We're in it. Eviction moratorium and people not having to pay rent. That's just unbelievable. But when it comes to seniors, oh, it gets paid because we're not renting to them. We're providing a service to them. And the family is the one who pays it. So if I and my brothers and sisters, 50, 60, want it, or we love mom and want to take care of her, it really doesn't matter what's happening in the economy or the world. We're going to pay for that care. And that's exactly what we've seen uh, for years and years, but especially the last year and a half. We've been We've been so steady, rock solid, and it's a tremendous cash flow, great place to be. And the, really the cool thing is that there's just more and more and more people coming. And I'll give you some more stats, too, because it's, I think you like this stuff. The, you know, in the past 10, 20 years, about 20 to 30 units, meaning beds, have been built in assisted living throughout the country per year, 20 to 30,000. Right now, it's about 50,000 the last year or two beds. Now, when you think about 50,000 beds... There's 120,000 people every month turning 85. There's 1.4 million people turning 85 this year and every year for the next 20 years. All of them don't move into assisted living, but literally hundreds of thousands of them do. And there's no room in the end. The quality homes have waiting lists and the bad homes have waiting lists too. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in, in the business of teaching as well. You know, there's no shortage of, of people teaching about real estate. You know, my my mom's cousin, my Uncle Bob, wrote this book called No Money Down that, like, became the best-selling real estate book for a decade or something, you know. Holy, holy. Did, you're related to Robert Allen? Is that yeah, it's you? my mom's cousin. So oh, that's I grew, cool. We grew up, like, taking care of his cabin in Waterton, Alberta. And he, his kids are my age, so we kind of just treated them like cousins, you know. I mean, they are second cousins, but they're just kind of like our cousins from California. Yeah. And you know, there's lots of folks in the space who there's lots of folks in space and there are not that many that have like created such a loyal tribe like you. What do you think you've done differently? And by the way, I had dinner with Bob in Key West about a month ago. It was great. And I'll be seeing him in July. Oh, really? Uh, out in Utah. So that's, that's pretty fun. Cool. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Thank him for letting us for lending us his cabin for like 20 years. <laughs> I'm sure he appreciated you being there instead of leaving it alone. I feel the same way when things go unused. So your your question was really why are people attracted to this? Or? No, what, I, I, you're, you've become very successful, and I'm okay. interested in what you think you've done differently than other people who are trying to teach about real estate. Oh, I think one of the key things is I do it. You know, there's a lot of people out there who talk about it and don't do it, right? And Bob would know many of them in the industry as well. 
he's a guy who's done it and then wrote books about it. And he loves writing. So he's more of a writer today than real estate investing at all. But I think that's number one. I don't teach on something that I don't do and I don't know. And then I surround myself with a lot of people who do it and know it better than I do because I always want to be a student. I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want to be the guy who's asking questions and sitting and learning. So I think number one is because I do it. And number two, I surround myself with my whole team is people that have done it. All of our support staff at our education company, they're all students who came through the system. They did it and they love to teach. So that's the second piece. I have a love of teaching and love of sharing with people that want to learn. And I, I'm not going to teach seventh grade with kids who don't want to be there. I want to be there with people that want to learn and want to be there. And in this case, want to grow, be be better entrepreneurs. I was just on the phone with one of our students uh, today, a little bit earlier, and we were going through some conversation. And I was sharing things with them that are second nature to me with 40 years of business experience. But for him, it's like, I wish somebody had told me that 10 years ago. So there's a lot of things that I can share, but I, I do it with willing students I, I'm at the point in my life where I don't give advice anymore. If somebody would like input, I'm happy to give it. But if they don't ask for it or they don't want it, that's that's okay too. Yeah, I, I'm interested. Can you talk more about the opportunity for folks that don't even want to be operators, that just want to own the real estate? Absolutely. So when I first got started, and and again, my, my journey went kind of like this. My first real estate was 18. First commercial real estate was 25. There's a lot of, I was a professional musician, recording studio, music school as a teenager. We bought our first piece of real estate after two years of being a, a tenant. And it was really just to house the business and give us a place to live. Then I went to fix and flip, buy and hold, commercial. So then flash forward like 30 years when my mom started to need help. That's when this became very real. It wasn't a real estate investment. It wasn't let's make money. It's mom. Because we had to figure it out. We were the ones who had the problem, not mom. We're going to take care of her. Our problem was, who are we going to get help from? We can't just quit our jobs and neglect our own family to take care of mom. We're going to take care of her. It doesn't necessarily need to be us. So we started to look for that uh, solution. The big boxes, as I call them, where you walk through the front doors, green linoleum and so on, smells like neglect as soon as you walk through. It's like, this is not for my mom. And that's the moment where I vowed to create it, a solution where mom could be in a home, not home-like, with a group of her own peers, not 300 people that are nameless and faceless, but a, maybe a 10 people in that home where they can live together and be well, well taken care of. So that's kind of my whole journey right there. So when I got started, there was nobody to teach them how. There was no class that I could go to. So I said, okay, first thing I can do is I can potentially buy an existing business and I can dissect it and learn what's good, bad, ugly about it and so on. So I put the word out. I ended up buying an existing business, fixed what was wrong. Uh, then I said, I'm going to go ahead and recreate it the way I wanted to. So the second one was from scratch, a piece of real estate. We got licensed and operated. Then we did our next one. And along the way, people were asking us to teach them how. We'll segue forward to today because that was seven years ago. Over the course of the years, not only have we helped other people get started and grow, but I actually sold my businesses to others, kept the real estate. So now I just lease the real estate back to the operator. And a lot of times you can charge anything you want, but twice the fair market rent with a long-term, let's say five-year lease, low impact because the people in the house, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they're not trashing the house like teenagers. They're, they're reserved. They're not damaging the house. It's a long-term lease with a high-paying uh, client. I can pass the maintenance on to them. So if somebody wants to get started in this industry, starting there, like not all the way back at the beginning, but starting there, 
the first thing isn't finding a property. That's not it. It's finding the tenant. So in this case, finding somebody that either owns an existing residential assisted living that wants to expand into a second location, or we have people that literally come to our class, they can learn and they can meet somebody who can be their operational partner, where they say, I'll provide the real estate, you do the operations. It's either a landlord tenant or let's partner together in some way. I think that's your fastest way to get to that result. Yeah. What kinds of rates of return do you think investors could see in that type of a scenario, like in a range? I mean, nothing to promise, but. Exactly. Nothing guaranteed. But, you know, I always use the benchmark of double the fair market rent. So, for instance, I have homes that the rent might be uh, $4,000 a month for a home with maybe 6,000 square feet. So a big home. But for a family, it might be four grand. But to the business, it's eight grand. So it's twice the market rent. Why? Because they can afford it. For them, it's all about the location. And if the home is already designed, fixed up and ready to go for that purpose, uh, it's a goldmine to them. Because remember, we didn't even get to the numbers yet, but the average person in America today is paying $4,300 per person per month in assisted living. That's according to Genworth uh, Financial, which Genworth is a long-term care insurance company. So at $4,300 a month average times 10 residents, that's potential gross income of $43,000 a month. Your expenses are going to be 70 to 80% of that. So you can net 20 to 30%. That's kind of the goal. Uh, so when you're saying 20 to 30% of 43,000, that's 8,000 to 12,000 a month, call it 10,000. So that normal house that you might rent out and make a few hundred dollars a month and hope they don't trash it on the way out can now be generating potentially $10,000 a month. And even if you just want to lease it to somebody else and let them make the 10,000, doubling the rent from four to eight allows you to cash flow properties that others would walk away from or to get solid residual income versus the short-term rental where can you believe that got shut down during this last COVID thing? That was crazy. Uh, we spend probably six figures a year in renting Airbnbs for corporate and personal because I love the model, but to think that they can shut you down, you cannot have somebody come in is scary stuff. In our case, we even have people coming to us saying, I got a short-term rental. It was great when it was great, but now if I could lease it for twice of the regular rent, I can cash flow it and I'm happy with that too. Yeah. I could go for days, man. So I apologize for giving such a long answer. No, no, it's great. <laughs> well, I, I am interested. So, so some of us who, you know, who do have access to more capital or can get more access, when you think about the opportunities to bring more money to the space and more of these operators who do have a passion for being a caregiver, obviously coming to your events and, and meeting potential people there is a good idea. And any other thoughts? Yeah, I would say if you're going to be that real estate investor and you want to lease it too, one way would be to contact the people that are doing this in your area now and ask them, do you want to expand, partner with them or lease to them? Second one, obviously come to our training or really consider starting the business and doing it in a way where even when I owned and operated, I was spending five, maybe 10 hours a week on operating homes. Five or 10 hours a week is a part, 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 part-time job, right? It's not like I'm overwhelmed and I can't handle it because when I did it, I designed it specifically not to be the manager, not to be the caregiver, not to be the stopgap or the last resort for a caregiver or fixing anything. It's That's just not the way I did it. So you certainly can. And if you're looking for the bigger opportunity on the real estate investment side, which based on our conversation, I think you are, one would be, like you said, a fund of some kind that is available that has a fixed rate to investors, but has the opportunity to take advantage of 
and you could either lend that money out, so do private lending and make a, make the points on that, the spread on that, or do the McDonald's model, own the real estate and lease it to the operators. With our franchise, we're, we're potentially going to go that route right there. But for right now, somebody's welcome to buy their own, own their own. But McDonald's goes the other route. You can't. We own it. We own the dirt. We'll tell you where you can. And you got to pay for the building, but we own it. <laughs> so you got a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So one of my favorite questions to ask people on the show is, what's one of the best pieces of advice you ever received? One of the best pieces, give me a, give me a category because I've received so much great advice from people, spiritual, real estate, business. Uh, well, let's go through real estate. All right. Let's go. Stay, with on, stay on theme today. So when we talk about real estate, some of the best advice I've ever gotten. I, I think this is, seems kind of obvious, but it was a conversation I was having with Robert Kiyosaki. And basically I, the first time I ever played his cash flow game was with him, which is pretty cool. And he was explaining it to us. And at one point, he just stopped the game and he said, all right, interest rates are zero. Go. And what he was trying to do was to get you to think what's happening in the world today. And somebody said, well, I'm going to borrow a million. Somebody said, I'm going to borrow 10 million. Somebody said, I'm going to borrow a billion dollars. Somebody said, I'm going to borrow a trillion dollars. And he said, money is cheap right now. Take advantage of it. So think about it. Interest rates are three, four percent. My first house in 1979, I was 18 years old. Prime rate hit 21.5%. A home mortgage was 16%. I laugh when people say 4% rates are up. I should have done it at three and a half. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? It's like free money out there right now. If you can't get money at 4% and reinvest it someplace at 6%, you are you need some help. But um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't go anywhere with that. No, it's funny. Sometimes I do think so. My brother and I, we bought our first rental property with our parents. It was our next door neighbor's house when I was like 16 and he was 14. He's one of my partners on this one. I'm thinking, why did we ever take a break? We should just stayed. We should just stayed in it since then. Wow. Isn't that cool? And you can teach your own kids that too or other kids. Yeah. I've got a good friend who that's his whole mission is to teach his kids and other kids how to invest in and become real estate entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, what do you see as some of the rookie mistakes of people, you know, even if they do come take your class, what are some of the rookie mistakes that you see people make? And specifically in residential assisted living, I think one of the biggest ones is the wrong location. We teach a lot on the location and why it's, you need to have the right location. If it's in the wrong location, let's say it's a free house, it's 7,000 square feet with 14 bedrooms and 15 bathrooms and it's free, but it's in the wrong location. I don't want it. I can't get caregivers to come out there. They may not have a car. There is no bus line. The uh, placement agents who are showing the seniors homes don't want to drive an hour outside of town. And then the family, they're not going to want to go out there to visit mom. It's inconvenient. So location, location, location. That's really one of the biggest mistakes. And dovetailing with that, people do it all the time. They come to our class, they say, I have a property. It's like, okay, we'll look at the property, but I don't care about the property. It's the location of the property. We can scrape that away and build the right one, but it happens a lot, man, where they come in and they just wrong property, wrong location, and they fell in love with uh, a house or the deal. So there it is. Yeah. When you do see some folks who have multiple, multiple residential locations, the ones who are doing well, what are some of the common principles you see? And when you say multiple, you mean in the residential assisted living? Yeah, they've got multiple homes. Cool. 
Just want to make sure. I think one of the keys is your team. And when I say your team, it's everybody involved. I know nobody, none of us want to have employees, right? We want to have, we don't want to have anybody else involved. Humans are the issue. But the reality is you need a team. You need the right people that are going to be able to implement your vision, your dream. So when I say your team, it starts with the manager and then they have caregivers underneath them. And eventually, if you're growing and you want to expand, you should have some of those caregivers rise up to be assistant managers and eventually be managers and your manager rises up. Because also chances are your manager is smart enough to say, I want to make the big bucks. I want to own my own home. So if you have this whole system and it starts with the one and then it flows through and continues to grow, you have an evergreen source of your team that you can now expand because each one of those homes is going to have internally a team, caregivers, management, et cetera. You can share it to an extent, but the strength of your ability to grow as a business person is going to be based upon the people that you surround yourself with, I think. Yeah, that makes tons of sense. Yeah. Well, what's something else people get, you know, you see people come get excited. What's something else that, that people maybe miss at first in a year or two or three and they go, ah, Gene, I should have paid more attention to that one thing you said. Sure. I think it's, I think it's in general, and this is not necessarily just residential assisted living, but it's just in general, a DIY process in their mind. So that do it yourself and where it can be problematic is, you know, I can learn how to do anything. Anybody can fix a car, you know, whatever it may be. So I can either build a boat or I can buy a boat. So which one makes more sense? Well, I can build the boat and it costs me half as much. Yeah. But if you just buy the boat, you get to enjoy the benefits of it immediately today. So something as simple as, gee, why should I buy somebody else's existing residential assisted living business? They're charging $300,000 for the business plus the real estate. So why should I pay $300,000? Well, just compare. If you bought the house next door, did the renovations, took a year to build the business and grow it, now you're cash flowing, you missed a year of cash flow. That might be $15,000 a month in profit, $180,000 a year, plus a year of your time and effort. So is it worth three hundred dollars today? knowing you're going to lose 180 over the course of plus whatever it costs on that. Everything is in flux until if you have something that's known right in front of you, save the time, pay for speed, buy it and move on. If you want to be in business, be in business. Don't be in, don't be a creator. Don't be a, let me figure it out on my own. So paying for other people's advice. I've spent, I probably spend six figures a year gaining access to other people who know more than I do. That is the best money I could possibly spend because it saves me millions of dollars in heartache and lost time. And none of us is getting more time. Right? We may get more assets, but you ain't getting more time. We just don't know how much that is. So make the most of what you do have. Well, I, I love that. You know, my, my wife has laughed before. You might laugh too. I, I've literally said like, thank you in my prayers for audible.com and for YouTube. The amount of information that you can get by just choosing to pursue it, right? Going to conferences, these kind of things. Like, what it, I mean, I know experience is this great teacher, but it's sure slow, right? <laughs> yes, but let me give you the, the flip side of that. If you attend YouTube University, right, it's, you still at some point want to be able yeah. to ask somebody who knows more the answer to that question because there's nuance. And I have a lot of stuff out on YouTube as well, and a lot of other people do. And it's all well and good. And at that moment, it was the right answer to the right question. But that, it could be three years later. And three years from now, the same answer I would have given three years ago is different than I will give today, certainly give different than I'll give tomorrow. 
so getting the right information from the right people at the right time to fit your needs. And I think as humans, a lot of times we, we just, you know, think we can do things better, faster, quicker than we can. And ultimately you're going to pay for it one way or the other experience is an expensive tuition. Yeah, it is. I don't know. My dad used to tell this joke. He said, there's a, there's a high school principal whose Coke's machine is broken. So they call the repairman, say, come kick, you know, can you come fix the machine? Guy comes over, kind of rattles it, it'll look sideways, pulls a hammer out, smacks it on the side, a Coke can rolls out, puts a dollar in, push it again, Coke can comes out one more time, yeah, it's fixed. Ring, lean, puts a hammer down, picks up the, the bill sheet, you know, the old school one, writes out it for a hundred bucks, hands it to the principal, he says, hundred dollars? All you did is hit the, hit the thing with a hammer once. I could have done that. He says, oh, I'm sorry, I wrote that bill wrong. And he asks for the bill back and says, change that. Hitting Coke machine with hammer, one dollar. Knowing where to hit Coke machine with hammer, ninety-nine dollars. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Hands it back to the principal. I've heard it said too, you know, somebody came in and they fixed the problem in a minute and they say, well, that's a lot of money. Well, it wasn't one minute. It was the 40 years of experience to get there. And that's the whole point. I mean, if we can save time by asking the right person, like, you know, Bob would be a great person to ask a question who's got a lot of experience, knows a lot of people and asking him a question, you're going to get contacts, connections, context and information that you would likely never, ever get anyplace else. You could try to read a book, but I mean, I got so many books behind me here that I haven't read. It's ridiculous. Someday I'll sit in a tree fort and just read them all. Too funny. Well, I know we're kind of winding down on time a little bit here. What's what's another soapbox item? What's what's something not enough people ask you about when you get interviewed all the time? You've, you've done really well in asking some great questions. I, I think too many times people think there's some golden nugget. There's some golden nugget and it's really not. It's taking action. And I think that one of the most important things is focus. There's really no such thing as multitasking. You can only do one thing at a time, 100%. Anything else, you're splitting it up over. And the most successful people you're going to meet are people who had one focus and they went all in on that. Once they got it and it was successful, then they have other people take it from there and then go to the next one focus. But I think too many times people are looking for something quick and they want something right away and let me try eight different things. Pick one, be passionate, get committed. And these aren't necessarily questions that people would ask, but I also do think that too many people are going after the wrong thing. You've heard it before, Go start with the end in mind. So what's the end in mind? When we talk about real estate investing, is it to own a house? Is it to fix it up? No, it's, it's the money. Well, no, it's not. Because you can have a million dollars sitting in your bank account and that's not it. It's the cash flow. So more than likely, most people are investing in real estate. What they're ultimately trying to get is not a job. They're not looking for another property. They're not looking for another tenant. They're looking for cash flow. It's a way to get to that, that piece right there. But the, the flip side of that is there's a lot of people that I meet, Jess, that are they're there if they just make a few little tweaks. I'm a certified financial planner. When you sit with somebody and look at assets and time and skills, et cetera, Boy, a few little tweaks. Take this, put it into there. Take this, put it over there. Now you've got the cash flow. You can retire today. They're still thinking, I need to get 50 more houses and it's going to take me 10 more years. No, you just need to think differently about it, how to reposition. The problem is they don't even know exactly what it is that they want. The older somebody gets, the more they've taken the time to sit back and figure that out. But the younger you do that, the better off you'll be. It is interesting when people get married to the vehicle instead of the destination, right? 
Love it. You said, you just said what I said in three minutes in like two seconds. Well done. <laughs> well, by the way, everybody should be going to Amazon and getting your books. I, I really enjoyed Blueprint. It was quick, punchy. You know, you got a lot. Sometimes I think people make long books because everybody else's book is long. <laughs> yeah they told me i should do something like that i'm like i don't want to read a book like that you give me a, you give me a book that's 120 pages that i can read plus i love the fact that you read it because it really shares my story of how i got started and everybody has a story and you need to figure out what's your story why do you do what you do i was you know in conversation with bob and he was talking about that uh, cabin in the woods obviously not the one you had but the one that there was the i don't know if it was a fire or an avalanche avalanche or in utah yeah and that was completely devastating. And I love that his takeaway was, thank God I wasn't at that point, that spot at that moment, something that seemed inconvenient. So in life, it may be inconvenient. Oh, I had to go to college and it took four years and that's inconvenient. Oh no, there's a reason for that. So it was really cool, his takeaway on that, but find your passion, focus on what you love. If you love what you're doing, everybody's going to flock to you and want to do it. If you hate what you're doing, stop it. Nobody's making you do it. There's people that come to me and say, I lost my job. My first response is, that's awesome. So what do you want to do? Because now you're free. And I'm going to add to it what you just said. Get the right advisors. Mm. You know, Everybody's got an opinion. Not yeah. everybody's got an opinion based on experience, right? Very true. And somebody who's going to encourage you too. I mean, I love to hang around with people. Dolph DeRuz, he's a great guy. And he's just somebody who's just constantly encouraging you and looking for the bright side on things. Because if you hang around with people with stinking thinking, you're going to get the same old, same old, and it's not fun. So get rid of the people in your life that are not helping you go forward or not being helpful to you or sucking the life out of you. Surround yourself with people who can give you good advice, who will be there for you, give you a kick in the pants when you need it, encouragement when you when you need it. And that's really going to help as well. Whether you do assisted living or you do something else. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for making time to do this today. You bet. And, you know, you mentioned the book Blueprint. I appreciate you telling people to go to Amazon. But if they actually want to get a book, a free copy of the download, we can give them that right now if you'd like to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's... Sure. All you need to do to get it is go to RAL101.com. So three letters, three numbers, RAL101.com. You can download the book. Then you can buy it on Amazon after. And I'll sign it for you when we meet. <laughs> There's some webinars you can watch and there's uh, you can give us a call and talk to somebody on our team to get some questions answered too. Oh, that's great. Okay. Thanks again. You got it. Thank you. Bye now, everyone.